Remind me to talk about butts with those boys. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, butts, 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 butts. Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's Full List for new Marvel Comics on sale January 26, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. Yeah, Jazz. This is the official Marvel podcast of Marvel Comics. We tell you about all the new comic books coming out every week and tell you why you might want to check them out. We pick our favorite books of the week. Uh, this week, we've got four picks. I'll tell you why in a little bit. Then we're going to run down all the new comics, tell you about the new Infinity comics that are hitting Marvel Unlimited, as well as the other books hitting Marvel Unlimited, the collections on sale, and get into a reading club. And we have a special one this week. Jasmine, what is it? We're going to be talking to both Joshua Cassara and Benjamin Percy uh, about their current Wolverine event, 10 Lives of Wolverine, X Deaths of Wolverine, um, as well as their time on X-Force together. It'll be a, a creator commentary uh, sort. Yeah, so if everybody has checked out our creator commentary that we did with Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman 50 years ago, whatever yeah. that episode was. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, about 50 years ago. Um, no, that was at the start of King of Black, I assume. That makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense about Venom number one. That's kind of what we're trying to do here, um, but keeping it a little bit more up to date with with 10 lives of Wolverine. But we'll definitely, as Jasmine has said, dip into the X-Force of it all and talk about um, how manly each of them are and how oh, yeah. many uh, trees they've both chopped down that given day. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But I'm going to kick us off with our picks for this week. And I am giving us two picks off the top with Amazing Spider-Man number 87 and Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond number one. And dear listener, you you may be like, okay, why those picks? Well, they are very connected in, a, in many ways. So they are both uh, parts of the Spider-Man Beyond storyline in which Ben Riley has taken on the uh, role of Spider-Man as a corporate Spider-Man for the Beyond Corporation and Peter Parker is knocked out of action. He's been really sick. Uh, he got some really messed up um, sort of radiation poisoning and has been recuperating for quite a while and is going through some stuff. So in Amazing Spider-Man number 87, which is written by Jed McKay with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian Valenza and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, we get to see Captain America and Black Cat work with Peter Parker to start to help him get his groove back. Uh, which, look, Jed McKay, anytime you give him a chance to write Black Cat. Yes, I just need more. It's Yeah, it, it, he's going to crush it. So good. We open uh, in a great scene of Black Cat, oh, I should say Felicia Hardy and Steve Rogers having dinner together, talking about Spider-Man and, and trying to help him and setting the stage for this mission where the two of them can work with Peter to help him get up to speed because the world needs Peter Parker as Spider-Man. And so what follows is basically just a, a, a huge issue long montage of Spidey training uh, with Black Cat, training with Captain America, training with both of them at the same time. We get a wonderful new costume for Peter Parker. Um, he, he adopts the amazing Bagman bag mask, which is, if anybody doesn't know, a paper bag with the eye holes cut mm -hmm. out. But he's got a variety of other looks. My favorite being his first one, which is a crop top that just says animal yes. on it. In big, bright red letters. So good. His beautiful abs flowing. I have to wait for the issue to hit stands, but then I want to tweet this to Insomniac Games and Marvel Games friends and be like, this must be in the next Marvel Spider-Man game. Oh, no, we're sending this to Hasbro. I want, I want a figure. Uh, I was just talking to our friends from Hasbro this morning. I will make Please. sure that they see this. Please. So good. And so big credit to Carlos Gomez in here who draws wonderful action. There's a lot of like city swinging and building scaling. And on the flip side, we get to see some some difficult things going on with Ben Riley. He is going through some stuff from the revelations, repercussions of the previous couple of issues. And so you got a really fun, sometimes light, sometimes heavy story around Peter Parker. But then you start to get really dark and cool and nightmarish with Ben Riley, And it's a great juxtaposition. But how it connects to the other issue is because the epilogue, the final page to this story 
is also connected to the final pages of Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond number one, also written by Jed McKay with art by C.F. Villa, colored by Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And it sort of sets up a whole other side of Black Cat's involvement in Peter's life right now because she's been dipping in and out, checking on Peter Parker, seeing how he's recovered. She cares. She's, you know, you have someone who you're deeply close to who is who is doing poorly. You want to be by their side no matter what your history says. So she rolls up into Peter's hospital room and lo and behold, she sees not only Mary Jane sitting there pissed off, arms crossed, but also a demonless The Hood sitting there. So Parker Robbins without his evil supervillain accoutrement. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but there's an actress and a super thief who are both coming in to check on this nerd. (laughs) He doesn't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but he knows that this guy is special. It's a really funny setup. And so basically he wants black cat to steal the the super demonically charged uh hood and guns and boots and his whole thing um that he lost previously in the pages of hawkeye freefall that sets up the story and then mary jane is just like well i'm getting involved too i don't want to be stuck in this room with a creep with a gun and he's like all right whatever if you guys don't come back you know in a certain amount of time i'm gonna shoot this nerd which is it's such a it's a simple, clean, wonderful premise. It sets off an adventure where Black Cat and Mary Jane have to team up. And it's not just like the two of them are going thieving. It sets up a whole montage and series of events where they go to all the people who are involved in the events of the hood losing his powers in Hawkeye Freefall and trying to figure out who has the hood. You got a bit of heist. You got a bit of comedy in here. You've got some scary moments. And ultimately, it ends in just terrific, yeah, obviously, this is what's going to happen to y'all fashion. I will spoil nothing, but maybe my favorite moment in all this thing, even though there are so many great moments, is the conversation that Black Cat and Mary Jane have, sort of like taking a breath, connecting with each other. It's so sweet and beautiful. And if I got more stories of the two of them, I would be super duper happy. Yes, please. I love that scene. They have this one thing in common and it's so fascinating mm-hmm. to see how they both view it. It's like a very like grass is greener uh, type of moment, but so good. Yeah. And so the end of this book would lead right into the epilogue of Amazing Spider-Man 87. You can kind of read them in in either order. They both work. So, but I would say if you're going to read one, read the other. They're both terrific friggin' books and that Jed McKay, he's pretty good. He's on to something. Next up, we have Black Panther number three, written by John Ridley with art from Juan Cabal and Ibrahim Mustafa, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This past year, I've been reading the entire history of Black Panther. Like I went as far back as possible and have been following him through all these different like journeys, preparing for this, this particular run because I wanted to see how it all fits and I wanted to see what John Ridley would do. And he, he just nails this character completely. This is the 200th legacy issue of Black Panther. So it's a little bit of an oversized issue. So there's some extra stories in the back of this book, but the main story continues this thriller of a story that like Black Panther has all of these sleeper agents across the world in different countries. Um, Someone is going after these agents. Um, Nobody's supposed to know about them, but someone's going around and, and murdering them. And Black Panther's trying to beat them to the punch. He's trying to save his friends, trying to figure out who's behind all this, who knows the secret. And in this issue, T'Challa travels to Mars, AKA Rocco, and he visits Storm. And anytime Storm and T'Challa are together in a room, it is my absolute favorite. Their dynamic is great. Immediately they're like, you know, they're talking to each other. They're so loving to each other. They, they remember, you know, they have their moments. Um, they're back together. They're, they're contemplating. Like, it, But it, the thing that I think is fascinating about this meeting again is that like, she's a queen now. Like she is like the leader of not only just a country, but like a planet. They're on like equal footing now. Like they're both, you know, talking to each other as leaders of their nations, their respective nations, but they're so sweet together. I love the action in this book. The book drops you right into it right away. The dialogue is great. Also the relationship between Shuri and T'Challa in this book is 
just the banter between the two is the most like brotherly sisterly like love type thing like I have three other siblings and like it nails it like perfectly like I'm the eldest of four and anytime I talk to my brothers like they're always calling me out on my BS they're always like making fun of me they know how to get on my nerves and that's exactly what Shuri does in this book um the last two stories in this book are also really cool one of which is a short story that is told by Junie Ba who's the writer and the artist on this book with the colors done by Chris O'Halloran and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. It's a really short and sweet story. It's very, it feels very like folklorish, um, which I love. The characters in this are really fascinating. The art is gorgeous. Like I love Junie Ba's work. Um, if you've never read Monkey Meat, highly recommend. And afterwards is another story. There's one final story that's written by John Ridley as well um, that introduces a new character um, and I've, I've talked to John Ridley about his run and I know where it's going. And this was something that like surprised me because I didn't see this coming. Um, but he did allude to it when we were talking. Um, he's always talked about how Wakanda is such a big country and it's not just, you know, the central city, but that's usually what we, we typically see. But one of the things that he brought up when I was talking to him was he, he was like, you know, like, where are the other heroes? Like, you know, if New York City only had one hero, that'd be really weird. Um, or if like the US only had one hero. So who's protecting the streets of Wakanda? Like, you know, who's who's the Spider-Man of Wakanda? Hmm. So he really wants to like branch out and really explore what that looks like. And we get the first taste of that in this issue. It's an awesome story. It's a character I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Give us yes. more of this. All right. We've got one more pick for this week, and it is X Deaths of Wolverine number one. It is written by your boy, Benjamin Percy, with art by Federico Vincentini. Colors by Dijo Lima with Frank Martin and lettered by VC's Corey Pettit. If you read Inferno, this picks up right after the events of Inferno. Whereas 10 Lives of Wolverine really focuses on Wolverine dealing with some major stuff. There's psychic and timey-wimey stuff that are threading through that. We'll talk about that more with Ben and Joshua a little bit later. But this connects to it, but also... It follows another thread in this big storyline showing you that this is the big X event right now. You have to be reading this if you want to learn about what's going on with Krakoa, what's going on with the X-Men. It is not just a Wolverine story. Wolverine is at the heart of it because, let's be frank, Wolverine is at the heart of many X-Men stories. But it features Moira McTaggart. Is that a good Scottish (laughs) accent? Uh, Moira McTaggart, Mystique, Black Tom... And, and a whole bunch of other characters, it dips into the Marvel Universe. We get to see a hero that I wasn't expecting to see in this world coming uh-huh. in here and, and having a great moment. This is the big book for everyone who wants to see where the future of Krakoa is going. You need to be reading X Deaths of Wolverine. You should also be reading 10 Lives of Wolverine. They will really inform the, the bigger picture going forward. It's rad as hell. I love Benjamin Percy getting to like flex hard and do you know this big... Yeah line-wide feeling of of what these two books are doing together while keeping it condensed into these pages. And then on the flip side, Federico Vincentini, sometimes we talk about an artist, their big spotlight, their coming out party. This feels like it for Federico. Big, beautiful action, really intense, like chase sequences, good character moments. Like the way it's set up, paced, shot, and portrayed just you feel the tension in it. You can almost hear the music and it's like, dun, 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 and like someone oh, yeah. going through it, like a spy feeling to it. And I think Federico is doing some really excellent facial acting throughout this, mm-hmm. especially Moira's character, the way he draws Moira's eyes. I get drawn to them every page. It's, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful book. It is very consequential and I love that we're getting it ratatat for 10 weeks. So eight more weeks going forward, every week we're going to get one or the other. And it's it's a ding-dang delight. All right. When we were talking about the Beyond era of Spider-Man, we were talking about how Ben Riley was the corporate version of Spider-Man. So I want to call this one the Corporate Replacement Award in honor of me, the corporate version of Tucker, <laughs> uh, coming on the show and doing pull list. I love it. So the first book that we're going to be talking about today is Avengers Forever number two. Um, And I want to give my corporate replacement award to Russell Dodderman for this amazing Black Widow variant cover. He's been doing these types of variant covers where it shows the previous looks that certain heroes have donned. And in this one, it's one of my favorite characters, Black Widow. And like, 
Black Widow has had some like wild looks and just seeing them all together is just the best. I need this in my office somewhere. So gorgeous. But Avengers Forever issue number two picks up right where the last one left off. We're starting off in, I want to call it the Black Skull's secret lair, evil lair, some type of lair in his reality. And he has Robbie Reyes as his prisoner and he's sawing off his foot. Um, and it takes eight whole days to do it. It's gnarly. All right, next book is Captain America Iron Man number three. I want to give my corporate replacement award to some human robot love romance. It's going on in this book. Uh, I, I won't say it. If you think it's dirty, maybe you want to read it. If you think it it's weird, maybe you want to read it. That's what I'm here to do. Check this book out. You get a lot of wonderful dialogue between Captain America and Iron Man. I love what Derek Landy does with these characters. It's a very pithy uh, fun book with big stakes, but um, also there's a moment that made me laugh out loud where two characters are arguing um, because one character has an accent and says she's like from the prairie and the other character is like, you are from Yonkers. I laughed out <laughs> loud because Yonkers is half a mile from where I live and where you used to live, Jasmine. You're right. Yeah. Um, I laughed out loud at that scene too. I was like, damn, just getting called out. Yep. Next up, we have The Death of Doctor Strange, issue number five. This wraps up Death of Doctor Strange. Uh, so if you've been following along, you're not going to want to miss this issue up at all. We finally learn who is responsible for the death. And my corporate replacement award is going to go to the old Doctor Strange from the previous timeline because he makes the ultimate sacrifice here. And it's it's strange. Like He, he comes from the past where he has this relationship with Clea and he comes to the future where he realizes that that relationship doesn't exist anymore. But he's trying to mend it as well as trying to bring himself back from the dead. Um, and I thought that the way it was all kind of tied together and the conclusion to the story is just beautiful. It was wonderfully done. I'm excited to pick up Strange number one once it comes out. I was legit surprised by the ending of that book. I'm excited. All right, we've got two Devil's Reign books for you this week. The first is Devil's Reign number three, the big event going on in the Marvel Universe right now in New York City as Mayor Wilson Fisk is basically saying, no more heroes <laughs> kind of he's not letting uh, superheroes do their thing and it's just causing a whole bunch of chaos he's got his own brand of thunderbolts and lots more going on i will give my corporate replacement award for the unexpected rise of doc ock in this storyline um I, I didn't realize how much spotlight was going to be put on doc ock and i love it i love it we're having a bit of an acasance right now in Akasans. I love it. Next up, we have Devil's Reign, Winter Soldier, number one. This was almost one of my picks of the week. I love this book. It was a complete surprise for me. Um, I'm not the biggest Bucky fan, but this is wait, wait, like, what? I will give my- You don't love Bucky? Who doesn't love Bucky? What is there- Well, no, 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 no. I didn't say I didn't love him. I said I wasn't the biggest fan of Bucky, but in this issue, he won me over. Like, I want to give my hmm. corporate uh, replacement award to Bucky only because- the story that's told here, it doesn't only just talk about his past, but it talks about, you know, this idea of like wanting to learn more about his past life. Um, he learns that Kingpin has all these secrets uh, locked up. So he's like, well, he's got to have a file on me. So let me go get that. So he breaks into the, the mayor's house. The action in this book is gorgeous. The art in this book is gorgeous. And again, you get a little bit of a more nude Kingpin in this issue. So definitely pick it up. Yes, Thick Boy Kingpin, bring it. I love it so much. Yeah, and this book is great for giving us a little like injection of potential future storyline stuff. I'm excited Please. for Please. Yeah. All right, we've got Iron Man number 16 up next. And the, the big thing going on in Iron Man right now is he's got the power cosmic. And he's just like wheeling and dealing and, and basically like, Tony Starking all over everything. And it is, it's bad news for most people, but it, it does provide what I will give my corporate replacement award to, which is the sort of sequence of events that go on um, with regular people who are having conversations in here that are a result of some Tony Stark tinkering with, I guess, reality. Uh, I, th I found it really funny, really interesting, and sort of like this thought experiment of like, okay, if this, if X happened, what would that mean for, you know, these people out here who aren't our superheroes, who aren't, you know, um, changing the world on a day-to-day -day basis? Also, there's a bit of dialogue from Reed Richards, which made me laugh out loud. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so good. So good. It, it was great. Um, but yeah, there's... There's some nasty stuff in here. Oh, and Big Wheel shows up 
All of you big yes. wheel stands. Yes. Yes. I was so happy to see that. Tremendous. We are look, we are genuinely excited when a character who rides around in a giant wheel shows up. <laughs> Next up is Marauders Annual Number One. This is the new chapter of Marauders written by Steve Orlando with art by Chris Lee. And in this book, we watch the new Marauders team assemble. The picks that Bishop makes, the picks that Kate makes, and they're all kind of driven by a one goal. It's very much like Avengers number one, where they're all like brought together, you know, for one particular mission. Um, and I want to give my corporate replacement award to another sad boy next to Bucky Barnes, Dokken in this issue, because he goes through hell in this issue as well. All right. Let's uh let's go on to Star Wars The High Republic Trail of Shadows number four. I will give my corporate replacement award to just the overall sense of creeping cool horror that has permeated this story and, and the weirdness. Um I like that in my Star Wars stuff, so I'm I'm glad for it. And then a bonus uh award goes to David Lopez cover artist because he's one of my favorite artists and one of my favorite people in comics. Hell yeah. Next up is Thor number 21. This story picks up right where it left off with the God of Hammers. Um, we get to learn a little bit more about this figure and where they came from, but I want to give my corporate replacement award to one page in particular where we see the gnarliest thing I think I've seen in the Thor book ever in my life. And it involves Thor's right arm and a hammer, but it has oh, nothing to do with him holding yeah. All right, our last new book this week is X-Men number seven. This was nearly one of my picks of the week. It's a big one for the X-Men, mm -hmm. for um, for for mutant kind. It, it is the secret origin of Captain Krakoa, uh, the hows and whys, and it involves a brutal fight, a very public battle that the X-Men wage in. Um, but I want to give my corporate replacement award to Cyclops. No. But I can't look, Jasmine, I can't help it. This book is just like Jerry and and Pepe and, and the team saying, yeah, maybe you don't love Cyclops, but now you kind of love Cyclops after you read this book. There's a moment here where he's directing the X-Men to, to battle and they get a whole bunch of people out of the way. And it's just Cyclops doing the calculations. This is not on the page, but doing the calculations and figuring out the strategy to bounce his optic blast off a streetlight, like a, you know, a stoplight into, and to, to get it and knock down like a bunch of different enemies. And like just the, the way that they utilize Cyclops as a leader and as a warrior in here. And then we get the revelation of what Cyclops said psychically to all the mutants to make them vote for him. It's just big Cyclops energy. And I was like, Oh Yes damn it, man. I don't want to like Cyclops. He's always been white bread to me. I like really good yeah. bread. And I was like, well, maybe this is like really good white bread. Like there's actually some flavor <laughs> to this and this is showing me that flavor. Um, it's, it's dope. I, yeah, I'm kind of like, as I go through it again, I'm like, I could have picked another book and it would have been X-Men number seven. And it's, it's damn good. There's a lot in here. Can we talk about that moment with sync? Oh yeah. There's a moment with sync where he sinks his powers in a, in a really interesting way. And I immediately was like, uh, what's going on? Yeah. Well, and then there's, there's a text page at the end, mm -hmm. which touches on that. And I was like, Oh, sync, sync, sync's a big boy. That's good. Yes. But that's all we have for the new comics hitting shelves this week. And in Infinity Comics, we have X-Men Unlimited Infinity Comic number 19, as well as uh, The Life of Wolverine number two and Spider-Bot number eight coming out this week. But the rest of Neil Gaiman's Eternals run will be available as a vertical scroll comic this week. So that's really exciting if you've been following that over the past couple of weeks. Jasmine, it's kind of well documented that I'm an old and yes, yes. that I'm not as hip to things as you young children are. Uh, mm -hmm. But I have found that reading Infinity Comics on my phone, reading comics on a phone, let me, don't even get me started, but reading Infinity Comics on my phone right before I go to sleep is the best. The format is perfect for reading on a phone. It's also great on a big tablet, but I was delighted by reading it on a phone and specifically go read Spider-Bot infinity comic oh it's so good it's, it's so, so fun funny. it's so good uh, but all of them it's just a give yourself a treat treat yourself 
as they say, before you go to sleep with a nice Marvel <laughs> Infinity comic. All right, let's get back to it because if you are subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, you're not just reading Infinity Comics. You got a whole host of other books to get your hands on, your eyeballs all over, including this week. X-Men Trial of Magneto, number three, Thor, number 18, uh, the awesome Phoenix Song, Echo, number one, and Death of Doctor Strange, number two. Those are just a few of them. You'll get the full list on marvel.com or just open up Marvel Unlimited. You can see all them books. Yep. And in collections, aka my favorite section of releases, we have a bunch of new books coming out. Uh, Deadpool, Black, White, and Blood. Amazing stories in here. The art is gorgeous. As well as Winter Guard, Operation Snowblind, which I actually enjoyed a lot. And of course, X-Men Hellfire Gala. Definitely need to pick that up. All right. We are talking about 10 Lives of Wolverine, some X-Force with Mr. Benjamin Percy and Joshua Cassara right now. All right. Look, I'm going to have to wing this one alone unless someone comes in to join me. Snicked? <laughs> what it's is me? that? Is that Tucker Marcus? <laughs> it's me making a noise with my mouth. Hey, buddy. Hey. Uh, Tucker, you have come back to us now at the turn of the tide in order yes. to help us uh, talk about some friggin' great-ass comic books and bring back two of our favorite guests. We are joined on this episode by Benjamin Percy. Hello, Benjamin. Hello. Thanks, as always, for having me on. And Mr. Joshua Kassara. Hello, Joshua. No, thanks for having me on, too. <laughs> I have to try to out Percy Percy. Impossible. Yeah, it's fair. And before we get too deep into all this, uh, we're just going to say there's going to be spoilers ahead for X-Force number one, which is like two plus years old. That's fine. But spoilers for 10 Lives of Wolverine number one. It's out. Go read it. It is on Marvel Unlimited. We're going to spoil some stuff. We may talk about some stuff in uh, X-Deaths number one. So just be warned. Read your comics. So there's an enormous amount to get into. I, I had to say, in the buildup to this conversation, I was anticipating that fabled thing that I think about immediately when I think about Ben and Josh and their work together, which is not Josh jumping in with his best Benjamin Percy impression, but that is how I know and this is real. You guys communicate with each other, which is uh, a simple phone call. I always imagine it sort of like a just a red phone on each of your desks. Yeah. And then, like you have both said, very earnestly and honestly, just a series of sort of low breaths and grunts. And then just some sniffs and very uh, Wolverine-esque, animal-esque sort of noises. And then you kind of hang up the phone and immediately go and translate that into sublime comic books. Um, so in the absence of that, we'll use real words because, you know, not everybody's on that wavelength today. Sometimes I do just call Josh up in the middle of the night and breathe heavily into the phone before <laughs> hanging up. He finds that inspiring. It's just his own weird thing. But, you know, when we're not FaceTiming or, or, or texting or, or communicating by carrier pigeon, you know, it's, it's usually like a Zoom interpretive dance that, that gets across, you know, the, the story. Uh, that's usually where we begin. Um, I have a, a black singlet similar to the one that, <laughs> that Wolverine wore during those pat, early patch stories. Um, and that's usually, you know, the beginning of the performance piece is me taking that off. We weren't supposed to talk about that, Ben. <laughs> We do. Usually, oh, I do usually send smoke signals back for any edits or anything like that. So no, but we are we are incredibly <laughs> collaborative uh, from the very beginning. You know, we've made uh, just a policy to truly, you know, shoot off an email or a text almost every day, um, and and as a result of that, you know, this this event, uh, Ten Lives of Wolverine. You know, it's something that Josh heard about from the very beginning. Uh, where it was just just a glimmer in my eye um and we we talked at story points talked out what shape this could take talked about you know what he wanted to draw yeah i mean when ben i mean i don't know when you first pitched it to me you're like i just got this idea for this wolverine story and he kind of like just like the briefest i don't know how he made it so badass and like the shortest text ever and then he's like and i want you to draw it 
<laughs> so the first issue of X-Force came out November 6th, 2019. Do y'all remember the first time you spoke or, or figured out that you were going to be working together on this? Was was X-Force the first thing you, you guys did together? Yeah. It was, you know, I got the email about it, you know, I think from Jordan. I was working in the Venom office and they said, hey, we got this thing that we'd like you to hop on. And so they, you know, they pitched me X-Force, you know, and X-Force, I'm a child of the nineties. You know, I was there for the original X-Force number one. Um, and they're like this Benjamin Percy guy. And so like, you know, just, just a quick introductory email. And it's like, let's have a quick phone call. And it was literally like, he calls me and he's like, hey, you know, Hey man, how you doing? And it's like, I immediately had dropped many octaves down to compete with him. And, but from that, but like, we hit it off right away because our, our sensibilities are the same. Like we just were about the same age and, you know, we grew up watching the same movies and loving the same kind of movies. So we do talk through movie lines and, and all those kinds of pop culture references. And it's our own like coded speak where we don't even have to say anything specific. It was kind of like nudge me in a certain direction. And I just know, you know, what he's talking about. There are a record number of, uh, you know, Arnold and Sylvester Stallone memes that go back and forth on our text chains. <laughs> I mean, Josh and I are, are friends as well as colleagues. And, you know, from the very beginning, just having that open communication and, and willingness to like strenuously together to tell the best story possible has been really meaningful. And, you know, Josh has done stuff like, hey, uh, what if we, you know, had a bar? What if we had a, a tiki lounge on this on this island? And I was like, hell yes. Uh, and, and then I started brainstorming ideas for the Green Lagoon and how we could introduce that, right? So, um, you know, in that way, we're, we're co-authors. So it was really fun going back to this first issue of X-Force. Um, uh, do you have any, either of you have any particular memories of this coming out? I mean, the thing that we always talk about, we, we Tucker and I talked about was Benjamin, you at the New York Comic Con saying that this book is poison. And and <laughs> like that fulfillment, um, I think is, it hits yeah, yeah. even in the first issue. Well, I mean, when Hickman first called me about doing X-Force, it was in 2018, fall of 2018. He said, you know, I, I really think you kill it on X-Force. <laughs> <laughs> and I took that literally. You know, I, I, I made it the murder book. <laughs> Wait, are, is there some giggling going on in the background? Yeah, I've never heard um, your Jonathan Hickman impression. That caught me by surprise, so I appreciate that. Thank you. I do declare. <laughs> he is a Southern dandy. Tenant C. Williams ingenue. He was, he was drinking a mint julep while he, while he offered me the job. <laughs> and wearing a sucker suit. Oh God. <laughs> Fabulous. So, so yeah, it's, it's the murder book and it's the poison book. And we, we said, you know, from the beginning, the conception of it was that here is this mutant nation. X-Force is it's CIA and moral confusion will be the defining thematic. Uh, and in these early issues, you know, one of the things that always drives me crazy is where, and I know this is what the fans want, but uh, is the impatience of first issue sometimes where it's like, we're going to forge this team. Uh, and, and we didn't do that. You know, it isn't until issue three. Uh, and I have actually the page from Josh up on my wall here right in front of me. It's, it's issue three when they finally sit down and they're like, okay, we're doing this. Uh, but issue one is all about, you know, following these different strands, these different uh, troubled strands and, and, and seeding conflict and seeding alliances. I mean, you have, you have like Logan and Beast who are at once like sort of standoffish and aligned uh, and they will become, right, the head and the fist of X-Force, the head of intelligence and the, and the fist of, of field ops um, and wet work. And then you have things like the Colossus, uh, you know, storyline that's seeded there. This doesn't, didn't play out right until very recently like th this was when i'm talking about like the eventuality of colossus where i'm talking about we're waiting until issue three to even say who the team is you know josh and i knew that this was going to be sort of a novelistic experience and and we wanted to give all the characters their due and make them come to life in three-dimensional ways and we wanted to the 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 x-force itself to be a complicated organism that we gave you know adequate time to, to develop and, and change. And, and, uh, and, and anyways, the, one of the things I think you see 
from the very beginning in it, and a lot of this is owed to Josh's art, it's just that there is a uh, sort of like a sinister tone throughout it all that that really captures the spirit of it. Um, and, and you know, you can look to that last page. We, we killed Xavier in the first issue, right? Like, that says it all. Actually, you know, the, um, what Ben's talking about, you know, taking his lead on that, like, and I say this every interview, my favorite part of the entire process of, of everything, of comics or whatever and everything I do, is literally my first read of a script. It's just where everything hits, where it all starts playing out in my head. And it's most exciting to me because I'm, you know, like, you know, maybe he'll say, he'll send me some kind of outlines or ideas and okay I kind of know where it's going but when I actually see the narrative you know and the way he weaves it and he's really good about stacking and layering and alternating scenes too and so it just it plays out like a just an amazing movie but again Ben sometimes leaves some things up to him and I'll message him back like you know what? I'm going to do it this way I see it this way and he's always like yeah awesome he's never really like turned me down I don't think you're never like no, this isn't good. You know. Starting. How dare you question me in my sacred script? <laughs> oh, how dare you? <laughs> Mercy. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing about the way Josh conveys atmosphere, conveys the acting, the emotive qualities of these characters, you know, he's, he's living through them. And so I'm trying to do my best to put him in that space. So a lot of what I write in a script, nobody's seen but him and Mark Basso. You know, I'm, I'm putting chunks of prose on the page. The audience will, will never experience. So it's, it's all about trying to not, not be particular with like, oh, this is a medium shot at a high angle. None of that stuff. Instead, it's more like, you know, let's get into what's going on with Colossus here. And, and you can just see, you know, that conveyed in, in a silent panel that Josh draws where Colossus, who is on that organic riser in the healing gardens in issue one of X-Force, he snaps open his eyes, awakening, right? And there's probably, you know, a quarter page of prose that informs that one moment that Josh then translates to the audience. Last two thoughts I wanted to touch on for X-Force was uh, one, love Dean White Colors. Um, just so good. You get some really beautiful stuff. There's a shot of when Beast is first like exploring the grounds and he's picking stuff up and, and he's there's that monster running around. It was just like it's beautiful top to bottom. Still, Frank Martin on Ten Lives is still also amazing. We'll talk about that. And also, you know, thinking about this now, two years on, two plus years on, in the way that characters have evolved and changed and going through things. I went through specifically with a mind to look at how you were drawing Beast, Joshua. And thinking about how Beast has sort of like transformed and like bloated up a little bit and gotten like, you know, that darker vibe. Austin Eye, yeah. too. And so, uh, and he, he just is uh, kind of a creep. And uh, seeing where he was in issue one in those first couple pages, I really dug that. Just seeing how he's transformed over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I knew he was going to be a little more sinister. So I kind of wanted him to look a little more like friendly and not as like scary. Um, originally, I kind of have him a mix as uh, like Harry and the Hendersons and like like a traditional Sasquatch kind of look, but just giant and blue, but almost like almost like a like a Muppet too. And then we got as we got going, like Ben and I started, you know, he's just bloated with his own you know <laughs> his ego and everything. That I think it was the very first time you could see it really clearly was the Hellfire Gala outfits. And I'm like, I'm gonna put like just a big belly on him. He's not like you know he's built up top, but like I he's just. He's becoming like that. It's <laughs> great. You know, if you look at photographs of somebody who's, uh, you know, been president, if you look at photographs of people who have gone to war and you look at the before and the after, right, there's a physical toll. And Beast is, you know, not only in a chair all day, but he's scheming and he's making horrible decisions. Uh, and you know, what we're seeing is a kind of Orwellian decay that's going on. Um, and there's going to be, you know, he's going to start losing patches of hair too. Like he's going to just going to be a wreck. Oh, I love it. That's such a fascinating insight. Specifically the Muppet reference, I think is so it's, you can so see it like the wide mouth, like all of those things. And I got to say, Josh Kassara's beast is my favorite of all time. Now though, as we move further into to 10 lives josh you you mentioned those those references that you that you guys shared that when you're talking about you grew up on the same material on the same very similar diet 
Um, and then when you're working out a story like 10 lives, um, you can toss references back and forth and immediately get not just the bigger picture idea of where each other are thinking, but um, even down to the subtleties, the tone of it all. Can you call out some specifics of like things that you guys were talking about, whether that was books, whether that was uh, film and TV, when you know you started breaking down these stories however many months ago? I mean, there, there's just so many, like with just different moments, but I mean, just some of the overarching ones is like, you know, you ever, you ever watch Quantum Leap? I'm like, I'm a huge Scott Bakula fan. Of course I, of course I have. Um, yeah terminator references you've got these just a lot of just old stuff and and just some of the settings we go through and and it's just that's how we build on these things and i'll message back like oh well how about this you know because he's like what eras i think was kind of his big question of like hey what eras do we want really want to go into would you like to explore you know me it's just i'm thinking about just not necessarily the, the specific character ones but more like the environments you know i'm like well you know this one time you know one part i definitely want to go into a jungle i like drawing like organic stuff so like trees and all kinds of stuff like i want to go there i'll you know it's a wolverine story we got we got to be in the frozen tundra at some point too so we bounce back and forth and then he just takes and runs with that and then also injects like these just awesome ideas you mentioned that you've been you were percolating on this this story for a while um how does that sort of come into your brain how do you bring it to sort of the larger group of of x-men writers artists editors because um, as I think folks will start to realize, this is a very big story. Um, the, the, the whole thing encompasses all of mutant kind, um, you know, uh, all of Krakoa's past and future. So this is, this is a big old honking um, event book. Um, at what point do you start saying, okay, here's what I'm thinking? Well, it was actually included in my initial pitch for Wolverine. Um, and if you look at that first issue, you know, just, I got it right here. I'll read you the first lines. I'll read you the first page. You know, in narrative captions, we have James, Logan, Patch, Weapon X, Wolverine, Canada, Madripoor, New York, Japan, Krakoa. Names scramble, time gets slippery. My brain feels bruised black. I don't know when, where, or even who I am. And that right there is a foundation for what I knew, what I hoped was going to happen, which is this event. You know, if you look at, if you look at comics, they keep going back and they keep going back and they keep going back to what's been done before, right? And, and at its worst, that can read like karaoke. And at its best, it can read like the definitive version. Like you look at Miller and Audrey Kelly's Daredevil Born Again. You look at Jason Aaron and Isad Rubik's Thor. And it, and it was initial issues especially, right? And, and their reimagining becomes the, the definitive experience. And, and that's what we were hoping to accomplish is like the definitive Wolverine experience. And, and Logan's brain's always been broken. Right, he's been unable to to properly patch together everybody he's ever loved and killed, and every army he served for, and every decade he's endured, and every organization that's used him, and every bottle of whiskey that's been drank, and every claw that's been popped, and and it's the mind wipes, and it's the mo memory plants, and 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 it's the expanse of time, and it's the century plus of living um, and fighting that. Taking this toll on him, right? Um, and 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 he's never known, not for sure. So we've never known, not for sure, what's real and what's not. And and we're making it real here, and giving a consequence. You know, we're 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 making the old known but new. And and here are all these hidden lives, but they're revisited from the vantage of Krakoa. And we talk in the opening pages. We have these, you know, these these scenes of narration. In which we talk about clocks uh, and and the reason that Logan prefers analog clocks is because he can see in an analog clock the possibility of all time all at once and and time sideways and time is forwards and times is backwards and times upside down and in essence that's what 
this event is doing for Logan. Like we're getting all the Wolverines. We're getting all the Wolverines. And, and when we say like, this is the greatest Wolverine story of all time, there's an intentional emphasis on of all time. We're not trying to be like, we're the best. We're trying to say we're honoring all of that legacy that came before us, all those creators that came before us. And we're touching on all of those stories and pureeing them together in a new, fresh way to try and give you like the ultimate synthesis experience. That is why Ben is a writer. How damn eloquent is that? <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, it's all right. Josh, when, when Ben talks like that and when you guys were having those conversations and these things were first being explored, when, when you're about to, when you haven't even laid a pencil down on a page like that, um, does that demand in you like, okay, I got to go back and revisit these eras. I got to go back and reread. I got to go back and see, you know, obviously with the depth that, that, that Ben is presenting with this story, you got to say, okay, I got to match that. I got to level that up and say what subtleties, what influences I can take from those different eras and put into the story, whether or not whoever's picking it up, whoever might just say, Oh, Wolverine, I'm going to snatch this, this page off the, off the shelf at the comic book shop. Um, whether or not they, they might absorb it knowing that it's there. Is that something that felt like it was demanded here or did you just go on instinct? Honestly, it's a, it's a combination of both. It's, it was equal parts terrifying and equal parts, just like exhilarating and exciting because Ben made it super accessible too. I didn't feel like there's all these areas and all these things were stacked up against. He never made it feel like that. I, I, I kind of wigged out on my own. Like when I started, I don't buy a couple extra books and buy like a, you know, a Barry Windsor Smith book and, and some of that stuff. And it's just, then I, you know, I would get in my own head, but I realized like the story that we're telling here while we're honoring those things, it's our own thing too. And so that helped me take ownership and not worry, like just, just be me. And like, I, like the, the opening issue, like my art, it's, I, I don't know, I guess it's, we all have, you know, people have these misperceptions of, oh, it was always a simpler time. And so just one of the first eras we jump into, um, I kind of kept my art pretty simple and I just wanted, and then Frank Martin jumped in with like the palette that he chose and everything like that. And it was just, it was a perfect mashup. And I just wanted it, I wanted to eat each era to feel different um, while honoring some of the ones that we've seen before. You know, speaking of uh, Barry Windsor Smith, there's going to be a nod to him later on that I try to really harness my own um, or, you know, honor him, but also just totally make it my own as well. So it wasn't as intimidating once I really kind of read through the story because I was just so freaking pumped up about it. Yeah, that Barry Windsor Smith uh, section of this, you know, Josh totally made it his own. We made it our own because something happens before the adamantium. That's all we'll say. There's, there were some other experiments that occurred. There's a line in here, and you mentioned um, of all time, Benjamin, and there's a great line that has stuck in my head of uh, the Omega Red version who is traveling through time. And he uh, he says, I will prove to be your greatest enemy of all time. And I'm just like, hell yeah. One, it's a rad line. It's cool. It's menacing. It's scary. But it's like, shoot your shot, Arcady. <laughs> like, do it up. Say, Sabretooth, get out of here. You're done. Uh, I, I really dug that. And it's it, it feels, now that I've heard you talk about the context of, of all time as well, it just felt more yeah, obvious, obvious intentionality there when he's saying of all time. Um, I'm not above, you know. I'm not above hyperbole. It's the greatest Wolverine story of time. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I'm serious. I, I mean, I, I think people will see just even from the first issue, like it's two pages of quiet and then it just, boom, it just takes off. Right. And then you have one page of semi quiet and we just dive right back in. And then issue two opens with, well, no, it's already action. And then there's one page of quiet. And then I draw 17 pages of just, it is relentless. And I've never <laughs> felt this way. Like drawing a book, like drawing comics is exhausting on its own, but like I'm mentally there and kind of mentally on the chase as I go, I'm seriously physically and mentally exhausted following along with the story. Cause I kind of have to get myself pumped up to, to really try to get those, those actions and emotions going. And there's, you know, a lot of times, and I love a good talking head scene, right? Cause I, I do like drawing like the mannerisms of characters and we've, we've done some great stuff on X-Force, I think together, 
but like this there there's just no breathing room there's just literally it just goes and goes and goes and I, that's the way i've described it. i said it's the most relentless story like out there because like issue one you think it, it's non-stop you see at the very end we think oh okay finally we you know we get some relief but nope boom we jump right into the next adventure and then the thing is that people have read the first issue but then you're about to read x deaths number one like it's just gonna there's another train barreling towards you right now that's gonna make things even more bad crazy yes yeah to say i mean obviously you guys are both bringing so much into this and i know this is a big question i know it's it's can be hard to quantify these things especially when you're in the thick of it um but can you both describe what you've learned since you started writing or or drawing Wolverine could you have done this two three three and a half years ago and 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 if not what has allowed you to to prepare for this moment to to make this as great as it is as an issue yeah I mean it, you have to pump in the oxygen before you light something on fire and I was talking before about how we weren't in any sort of rush when we started X-Force that we were taking a novelistic approach. You can think of this event as a culmination, not just of everything that's been happening in X-Force, but everything that's happening in Wolverine. So we've got two years of oxygen that just got set aflame as fuel. And, and, and as a result of that, this feels like a crescendo and feels cathartic. Because you can read it, sure, on its own. You could do that. But you're going to have a much more emotionally rich experience if you've been reading both of these series and see how there's a convergence that occurs. So, you know, I feel like I can talk about this right now because the last issue of Inferno is out. This was under lock and key before, but Moira is an essential character in the ex-deaths of Wolverine. That's just one example of that. And that is earned. It's been building since Hawks Pox. The relationship between Russia and Krakoa has been building since the first issue of X-Force. And it's an essential part of this event. And I could go on and on and on about all these things that are earning out here. So no, we needed this build up for it to be truly impactful. I mean, to, I guess to piggyback off Ben, I mean, we had to earn that obviously like story-wise, but I think even, I mean, now we bring it back to like the personal, I think just, you know, I don't know about him writing it, but for me, like drawing it, like I, I couldn't have drawn it two years ago. I don't, like, I don't think I was ready as an artist. So it was two years ago, like I, I'm just getting my feet wet with X-Force and just kind of just getting my, also just with the way Ben and I work together. Like now, again, I think we're firing on all cylinders. Not, I mean, we were great from the get-go, but we've really learned each other's, like how we work together and our strengths, but I, just building up to that and being comfortable with drawing that character, but like this sort of story, like, I don't think there's any way I could have drawn it two years ago. I think it would have been a, it would have been a disaster, but I think it helps for me even mentally to know all of that story going on and to see what's going on in X deaths and see what Federico's doing too. But, you know, reading Hawks Box and, you know, following along with Wolverine and X-Force, like I'm able to get behind those emotions and the, the, those motivations that Ben has written out on the page. Um, I think I'm able to translate that a lot better now than if we just had jumped into it a while back when he first had the idea. You you talk about Moira and, and how much this connects to so much of what's going on throughout the entire X-Line. How much has it helped to have the 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 much lauded and talked about X-Slack and the communications between the writers, the editors, the it, what seems to be a much more fluid and uh, collaborative process. Is that true? Um, or are you just, you know, like, you know, taking, seeing notes and scripts and stuff and then working off of those? You know, we meet, the writers meet every two weeks for two to three hours in a Zoom meeting. And, you know, I'm looking at my tab right now for the XLAC, it's always open and it's constantly pinging. Uh, there's, you know, one story that we're telling but we're all, you know, we all have our own 40 acres that we're, that we're growing our garden on. Uh, it's important to know what else is going on on the island, though, so that it all comes together, weaves together properly. 
there's no contradictions and that there's, you know, sort of like a measured pacing. And as, as we move towards various events like hellfire galas or some of the cataclysms that are to come in this coming year of X stories. So uh, all of this was communicated to the room about what we were doing in this. And, you know, Moira was an essential part of that. I can't tell you how her story ends, but that is really important to what's happening in the next era of the X office. I could keep talking about all these things for, for, for many more hours. I could not leave this call though, without saying, and this is really as much for, for the listeners and, and me as anybody else, what a fan I am of these two gentlemen right here. Uh, I am in the middle of reading a book uh, unrelated to Marvel of, of essays written by Ben Percy's oh, sure. thrill me. Um, uh, the only piece of comic book art that is in my apartment is uh, original comic book art is by one Josh Kassar, which I'm uh, At, forever grateful yes. for. Um, I'm just such a fan of these two. And uh, so thank you both for, for talking to us today. And thank you both for the thrills, um, the kills, all of it over the past few years. Yeah. It has been a joy. Thank you so much for having us on. This was a lot of fun to chat with you all. And how, thanks for, you know, everybody out there who's, who's picking yeah. up the books. Thank you so much, guys. Like, I, I, I can't wait for everybody to see, like, like well, when this comes out, uh, what the ex-deaths that Federico's doing, he's just an insanely dynamic artist. Um, you know, what he did with, with Ben's script, because I got to see both sides of it. It's just, it's incredible. And uh, what you guys will see, the stories, they dovetail together, and they're just relentless. Hell yeah. Thank you, boys. Thanks again to Ben Percy and Josh Kassara. That was awesome. They are some of my favorite people uh, that we've had on the show. I'm also considering maybe lowering our voices in post just so that we could compete with these guys because, man, so much manliness packed into one conversation. Yes, I'm really good at talking now. Like, that's like, it hurts my... Not only are you deep, <laughs> But you've just like entered slow mo. I don't know how. Why I don't you know how to it do it. Thing you needed. My voice is my voice. It is what it is. Um, all right. As I mentioned earlier, um, we want to get into uh, including some more of your letters and your tweets and your communique, dear listeners, on the show. So make sure you send us emails to pulllist at marvel.com. That is P U L L L I S T at marvel.com. Three L's. I know it's it's a lot. Uh, you can also use the hashtag Marvel's pull list on the Twitter. So yeah, send stuff. Let us know what you're reading, what you want to talk about. Send us suggestions, whatever. Shout out your comic shop. Yeah. Oh, and always shout out that comic shop. And of course, please mark your email, mark your, your tweets, mark everything okay to read so we can read it on the show and don't have to track you down and say, can we read this on the show? We'll get a couple of emails from William Rose. Um, and I will read one here where William sends a bunch of really great recommendations for guests to feature on the show. Wonderful recommendations and suggestions, William. We are, we are actively working on a number of them, um, when and where and how we shall see. Uh, but we are listening and, and thank you for that. We got an email in here from Rezzy at romcom MLE on Twitter, but sent via email. Um, who said this is the first time listening to the full podcast episode plan on listening every week now before heading to my local comic store the next day the show got their attention because champions are their favorite comic team ever and always want excuses to hear more and talk more about them and our episode this week really inspired me to finally read reptile because i did buy all the issues as they were coming out but i just never got around to reading it because it was coming out at the same time as i was transitioning to a new university that to me is like, yes, this is, this is our like favorite kind of email or message. Yeah. So super cool. One more that we'll read for this week. It comes in from Michael Eisenstein, but this one is got a local comic shop suggestion. Michael says, I would like to put in my suggestion that you give a shout out to Jeffrey's Heidi Ho comics of Santa Monica. The owners, Eddie and Kristen are super knowledgeable and have a deep staff of welcoming and enthusiastic staff members. Each week, they do a Tuesday Night Live where they give three picks each from the comics of the week. These owners have given back to the community when they can by hosting an annual mini convention in their store. They have also weathered the challenges from the pandemic by recently moving to a new location 
Eddie is a comic creator himself and has a super funny comic strip called Collectors, where he makes light of the life of a comics collector definitely worth a laugh and a look. And you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jeffrey's High D Ho Comics. That is uh, Jeffrey spelled like G-E-O-F-F, R-E-Y-S, and then High H-I-D-E-H-O Comics. Uh, so really cool. Oh, and, and Kristen is a podcast herself. So super neat. I love the name of that podcast too. It's Comadres y Comics uh, podcast, which looks like it highlights artists in the Latinx community. So I'm very interested in that. I might have to subscribe to that and check it Jasmine, out. Jasmine, we're in the Latinx community. We sure are. We could be on that. Hit us up, Kristen. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrada. Joe DeBach is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List audio development manager. And, you know, in terms of corporate replacements, uh, Brad Barton has been killing his corporate replacements for years. Every time one comes through the door, he just gets this look in his eyes like, you won't take me. I'm going to get you. And then he goes right for the throat. I'm Ryan. I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.